so many ways that we can give to build up the kingdom of God here at Imago Church through our treasures, through our talents, through our time as well. And we're going to now continue in our time of worship by opening up the word of God. And today we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. We're currently in a series on the book of Ephesians on what it means to experience spiritual maturity on how to grow up in Christ Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. La escritura de hoy va a ser del libro de Efesios, capítulo 2, versículos 1 al 10. And I'll be reading in English, but go ahead and follow along in your heart language. And uh, that'll be in your Bibles or on the slides for those here in person and those that may be tuning in online as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Let's go ahead and hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. And just a quick correction on that. We are Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. And um, and that'll, I'll start at verse 4, but um, you can go ahead and, and read along there. Ephesians 2, I'll be starting at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that many may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your precious, precious word. That has the power to speak to us, to shape us, to transform us. Gracias, Señor, por tu palabra santa que nos puede transformar. And Lord, we just pray, God, that that same word today would reveal, would lead us, Lord, into action, would challenge us, God, would comfort us, would give us peace, would come alive in us, Lord. May this word become alive, become flesh in us today, God. We love you, Lord. You are the source of good, of life. We pray for this world that so desperately needs you, God, Lord. We hear the pain, whether it's across the world or here in our country, Lord God. Continued challenges, continued division, continued separation, continued isolation, Lord. But that's why we look to you, Jesus as our one true comfort and the hope of the world, the one who will bring about the promises that you've made, Lord, to bring all things together in Christ. Those precious things, those precious people, those precious moments, precious creation that has been broken, you're going to restore it and make it beautiful, Lord. 
in your perfect timing, Lord God. The already but not yet, Lord. Help us to believe. Help us in our times of unbelief, God. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would speak to us today by your word. Make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue in really this season and, and spirit of uh, post-Easter now. It's been about a month since Easter, and we're learning what it means to grow up in Christ, to really grow up and experience spiritual maturity. Together as a community, we've been looking at and diving deep into the book of Ephesians, and in Ephesians, we've learned that we have been called, we've been adopted by God into sonship and into daughtership um, in Christ. So that means that we have our identity and our purpose uh, secure. We know who we are because we know whose we are. We've also talked about how God has big dreams for all of creation and for us. And those dreams are to restore all things back to himself. And today in the passage that we're looking at, we're going to be focusing on just what it means to live authentically, to grow in our spiritual journey, to mature in Christ. Spiritual maturity is actually learning to proactively grow up in Christ, as opposed to what? It's possible to be a part of a church. It's possible to identify as a Christian, but remain stunted for years and years. It's possible to do all of those things and never have experienced what it means to grow up in Christ. There's a difference between growing up in Christ and simply growing old as a religious Christian or as a cultural Christian or as someone who's just kind of vaguely familiar with stuff. And that's what we're trying to discern through and the journey that we're on in this month of May. Ephesians is also where we find the biblical basis for this third part of our church vision of hope through relationships. Our brother Ben, he led us through that this morning, and that's actually more than just a moment to greet one another in the name of the Lord or to connect with someone you didn't come with. That's actually an opportunity for us to live out and to display the, 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 the reality that we can experience the hope of Christ through restored relationships. We, re, we display restoration restoration with God and restoration with each other in those times of fellowship. That's why we say here at Imago that fellowship is a part of our worship. It's not just a by the way, it's not just something that I can check off when I have time, but fellowship and connection, experiencing the hope of Christ through restored relationships, that is an essential part of our worship here at Imago. Another essential part is our discipleship. Discipleship is each person's journey and each person's relationship with Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him. And we follow him when we follow Jesus and when we uh, take by faith those next steps. He's going to lead us into different stages of growth and of discipleship. And each person's journey in this uh, journey of growth and discipleship will lead to spiritual maturity. 
So the first stage for all of us, um, whether we're taking those first steps with Christ or we're in a season where we're taking those next steps, you can identify which stage God has you in. The first stage in our journey with God, in our journey of spiritual maturity, is simply to connect. God wants to connect with you. We love a relational God who wants to be in, in relationship with each one of us. So the first stage in spiritual maturity is connecting with God through relationship with God, through experiencing transformation and responsiveness to the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. Then the next stage, the second stage, is growing, maturing. That means we're, we're learning to live authentically. We're not just compartmentalizing our lives anymore and thinking about just Sunday as the check mark, and then uh, Monday through Saturday is my will be done. No, but we're beginning to think of our lives holistically. That's what spiritual maturity calls us to. And then stage three, and we're going to focus on this a lot today, is serving. Serving others joyfully out of a heart of gratitude for God. When we serve, we don't just do it for one another, although we bless one another in that, but when we serve, we're actually reflecting the heart and the character of God, of a God who chooses to serve us. And then stage four, and we'll be talking about this in the next couple of weeks, is multiplying, where each one of us embraces our God-given shape, our God-given spiritual gifts, and we use those spiritual gifts for God's glory, and to bless the community, to multiply disciples. Now here's the truth, and I've shared this with before with some. In order for us to multiply and to make disciples, then that means that each one of us needs to be a disciple. Because you and I can only multiply who we are. We can't multiply or bear fruit in what we do or what we say or what we intend, but you and I can only multiply who we are. You, in fact, just like me, you multiply who you are, not just what you think, do, or intend. And that's part of what Jesus says, in, and we see that in the gospel. He says, that is how you will know those who reflect me, those who follow me. Matthew 7.20 says this, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not by their intentions, not by their good thoughts, but by their fruit. So that's what we're looking at in the book of Ephesians. And we've seen how in Ephesians there are a couple of, of key themes in Ephesians. First we see that um, the book of Ephesians in this opening chapter really wants to explain to us that Jesus Christ has restored creation to himself and to God. And then secondly, we see this message, this again, God-sized dream as we've been calling it, where Jesus Christ has restored and united people from all nations, from all tribes, from all tongues. He's united those people to himself and to one another into a new family, a new people called the church. The church is God's family. Again, as Ben was mentioning and as others prayed this morning, it's not just the building. It's you and I, the family of God. 
And these God-sized dreams that are found in the book of Ephesians, this reality of experiencing the hope of Christ through restored relationships, of seeing all of creation restored to each other, that's part of what we get to enter into, this bigger vision than each one of us in the book of Ephesians. This restoration was accomplished by God And we can receive this, and this is what it talks about here in Ephesians 2, 4 to 10, that we can recognize God-sized dreams and we can grow spiritually when when, when we engage this. And we're able to actually receive this, this gift of God, the grace of God, we can receive that by faith. Faith is a word that we use a lot here. In, in, in the church. Faith is really acceptance. Faith is the acceptance of what God has done through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Faith is not us doing something. It is simply accepting what God has done. Grace, another big word that we use here in the, in the church and we find in the Bible, grace is the free gift of God. Grace is the action of God, the work of God. The grace of God is that he has chosen to save us. He has chosen to restore us back to himself. Nobody forced him to. Nobody coerced him. There was nothing in you and me that convinced God of that. But by grace, God chooses to save us. He sees us. He loves us. And he makes a way for us. Again, as I've said before, the grace of God is the election of God. And what is election? Uh, An election is a choice. That is the choice of God. God elected to save us for the sake of sonship, daughtership, through adoption, as it says in Ephesians 1. Now, our lives are meant to be lived as a gratitude for the grace of God. That's what we read about here in Ephesians. These big dreams. God is up to something huge, something big, something eternal. May we not just conform for things that are big and impressive in our eyes. When we fix our eyes on what God is up to and align ourselves with that. Rather than us trying to just figure out the next big thing or the next big move. My prayer is that as a church, we would pray and discern together and ask ourselves, what is God up to here and now? And how can we faithfully follow the Holy Spirit in that direction? This is the God that we worship, the God who is able to see broken things and make them into new things, into precious things. The God who is able to see something chaotic and able to bring beauty out of it. The God who is able to bring order out of disorder, and yes, the God who is able to bring peace even out of suffering. That's the God that we worship. That's the good news that we point to. That's actually really a part of the journey that God has us in to be able to to see life, to see reality with this new pair of glasses. That God is up to something. He is restoring all things back to himself. And friends, brothers, sisters, this is good news. 
It is good news that Jesus is alive and well and that we are all invited to be a part of God's family. You know, another word for faith we see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it says this, and you can write that verse down. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The book of Ephesians reminds us that we are saved by faith alone. We are saved through grace alone. Some of you have probably heard of those phrases before, but we're trying to break that down here together, what that actually means. Again, faith is simply accepting what God has done and who God has been in our lives. Another definition of faith is that living awareness of the reality of what God has done to bridge the gap, that gap, that separation between us and God that was caused by sin. Faith is actually waking up and responding to the reality that God became like us so that we may be with God and that we would be part of his family forever. God proclaims this love in action through Jesus, that those who would have faith in him would have new life beginning here and now. And friends, brothers, sisters, that new life is not meant to just be lived alone in doing my own thing with God or whatever it may be. But that new life with God is an invitation to a family. It's an invitation to a community. A community, as we've established already, that is called the church. That's you and that's me. Regardless of whether we're talking about just an older or newer congregation or whatever it may be, big or small, the task, the call for us as the people of God, as the family of God, is to really learn to stand in the gap to stand in the middle between the divine reality of God and everyday human life. We stand in the gap. We as the church, we stand in the gap, in the middle, between things that are seen, meaning those things that we experience every single day, and in the gap with things that are unseen, those eternal realities those bigger God-sized dreams, that hope that we don't immediately see, we stand right in the gap. And God's dream, as we've been talking about in this series, is to bring all things together under Christ, as it says in Ephesians 1.10. In other words, God is up to something. God is going to restore and is restoring. He's going to put back together something precious that has been broken. And you and I, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, that's what we are first and foremost. We are a people. Somos el pueblo de Dios, como la iglesia. We are a people, not just an event, not just a place. And that was something that the church in Ephesus was very much aware of. They didn't just do church or go to church, but they were the church. They responded to a higher calling to grow with God to that next level. As the church, we're not just here to maintain an organization. We're not just here to live within these walls, but we're here to live in to our higher calling, to be who we were created to be, to join in God's 
big vision of restoring all things back to himself. God invites us, again, not just to go to, not just to, uh, to, to, to go to church or to be a part of church, but to be the church, to be the family of God. You know, and we're going to be praying into what this next season looks like for us. And someone said it even during our morning prayer here this morning. It may be a call to go back to basics, to go back to keeping the main thing the main thing, to keep first things first. But we're going to trust God to lead us in that journey. Last week, we talked about what alignment means, how we align, how we can grow in spiritual maturity when we align our dreams, our will with God's dreams and God's will. When we align our will, and we, we came to realize last week, every single day we have choices. And our choices are where we align our will. And where we align our will will have a really impact and consequence for every single day in life and even into eternity. Every single day we have an opportunity to either align ourselves by saying, Lord, your will be done, or my will be done. And that's really going to have impact on our journey with the Lord. But the good news is that there's always grace. There's always a, a way back to God. So we talked about alignment last week as a way to actively, proactively grow in our spiritual life. And today we're going to talk about another way that you can practically and proactively grow in your spiritual life. And that is through serving. We grow, we develop, we grow up in Christ when we serve. When we serve one another and when we serve this world that God so passionately loves, that's part of what it means to be the church, to align our hearts, our will with the will of God and also to serve the people of God and the people that God loves. By serving, we do a couple of things. One, we partner with God in accomplishing this big dream of restoring all things back to himself. And secondly, we fulfill our life purpose as active members in God's family. That's who God calls us to be in his family. Not passive members, but active members in the family of God in the church. And we see this here in this passage. In Ephesians 2.10, yes, after saying all of this, right, the basis of anything we do, the basis of who we are, all begins with grace, all begins with faith. But grace and faith has a purpose. And it is this, it says if we, in Ephesians 2.10, if we can uh, put it up, I'm not sure if we're able to uh, right now, but you can look it up in your Bible. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's handiwork, as some translations say. We are God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? We are created to serve. That's a gift from God. That's a way we can reflect the image of God. So serving is first and foremost that. 
It's a gift from God. Serving is actually the same word as ministry. Ministry just means work and service to God and to community. There really is a misconception when it comes to thinking about work and service. Some people have thought this before and have thought, well, wasn't that a consequence? Wasn't serving and work a consequence of sin after the fall, after Adam and Eve fell? Didn't after that God say, well, now you have to work in order to eat or whatever it may be? But actually, we realize that that's not the case. Serving and work, having purpose on a daily basis, having a call, that was the, or one of the earliest blessings, one of the earliest gifts that God ever gave to humanity. In Genesis 2.15, it says this, it says, the Lord took the man and put him into the garden to work, to serve, and to take care of it. In other words, God's first gift to people was the gift to serve. You and I were not created to be passive. You and I were not created to just be laying on the couch all day. I know, you know, once a day, once an hour, you, maybe you need to do that, right, for an hour a day or whatever. But we're not created for that. That's meant to just simply be a break. You and I are not created to be passive members in the family of God. We're created to be active members. And it says here that even God prepared that for us in advance to do. So serving work, ministry, that's not a consequence of sin. That's not just something that we have to do, and that's not only carrying our crosses. Although, yes, it's very hard to do, but everything good is hard. Serving is not just a consequence, but according to this scripture, work and service and ministry is God's earliest blessing to us. You and I, we don't have to serve, but we get to serve. We get to serve, and in doing so, we will experience the fruit of not just growing old, but of growing up, of growing up in Christ. Each one of us, we're blessed, amen? But we're blessed to be a blessing. Not just blessed for me and mine and to get what I need, but we're blessed to be a blessing to others. Service is a gift. But what's the trouble with gifts? Some of you have heard me say this before. The trouble of, with gifts is that gifts can be forgotten. Who remembers what you got for Christmas a few months ago? Zach does. We're going to have him come up and tell us all his Christmas gifts. Um, gifts can be forgotten. You know, I, I think about it, in, and I can think of many, many examples of this, but I think of uh, uh, moments that I've had with, uh, with myself, even in my childhood. You can think about moments where you've received a gift and it's meant everything to you, but then suddenly, as soon as you get it, all it takes is a week sometimes, and then it's just collecting dust somewhere. I had one of those moments where I, I was kind of, um, you know, patting myself on the back on 
starting to learn how to, how to, at least I thought in the moment, how to master this whole parenting thing. And you know what? I, I really thought to myself, I'm becoming an expert in this, on what it means to be a dad, on what it means to be a father. And um, a couple of, of months ago, um, I was able to get the the pass, uh, the annual pass for my kids to be able to go to the Imagine You Museum. And uh, we had a really great time together that first time that we went. Yeah, there were a couple of problems here and there, but I got to help them out. And my, my, my boys had some cries and some tantrums, and I got to calm them down. They were actually listening to me. And then at the end of our visit, they asked me if I could get them these little uh, toy trains, and, um, and I got one for each one of them. And, you know, they really uh, expressed how much they needed them, how it meant the world to them, how these little toy trains were going to make all of the difference in their lives. They gave me a perfect little case on, on why, a perfect scenario. And, of course, as dad, I gave into it, right? And I got each one of them uh, uh, one of these little toy trains, and then at the end, they hugged me, and they were so grateful, best dad ever, you know, all that stuff. You could hear the music just in the background, right? I was patting myself on the back of like, you know what? I'm good at this. You know that, that song, Good, Good Father? That's what was playing in the background in my head. <laughs> that was probably the first mistake, right? Because that song's about God about God as father, not about a human being, not a human father like me. So that was probably my first mistake. But then we got back home, and what happens at home? Reality hits once again. And later that night, the kids started fussing again and, uh, and you know, uh, have getting into quarrels and disagreements and uh, with each other, and I could no longer hear that good, good father music in the background. Suddenly, all I could hear was just yelling in both ears. Instead, I wasn't only hearing the song, Good, Good Father. I could only hear the words, Father, forgive them. <laughs> forgive them, for they know, not know what they do. Forgive me for what I'm about to do to these little guys. I thought, you know, what am I to do in this moment? And then I thought to myself, you know what? I know what I can do. I can sit them down and I can remind my sons who are six and four. So think about how that would go, right? Sitting them down and remind, I can remind them about the wonderful time that we had earlier and about the free gift, the grace that was given to them earlier that day and the wonderful time that we had and so I called my boys and I asked them to bring the trains. Remember those trains that meant the world to them that they explained to me would make all the difference in their lives uh, for that day? And I asked them to bring those trains to me and they brought back only one and it was missing a wheel. <laughs> and I couldn't believe, I was like trying to make sense of this. What, what is this about? Wasn't this the gift that represented the grace between us? Didn't you like make that connection? And no, something was missing there. There was a gap. Only one came back and I asked my younger son where his train was and he had no idea what he did with it. It was lost somewhere and he had forgotten where it was. 
So what did we do? Instead of having that moment of sit down, of hugging it out and all of that, we spent the next half an hour looking for those darn trains. <laughs> and I don't know about you, whether you, you're, a, you're a sibling or a work with kids or are a parent yourself. Since I've been a parent, so much of my life has been spent looking for stuff. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I, I've tried to, I think like two-thirds of my life these days are just looking for stuff, looking for lost shoes, lost toys, you name it. But anyway, even in that humorous example, I realized to myself that evening, once again, that timeless truth that the trouble with gifts is that gifts can be forgotten. And these children... My boys, they exemplified that, but we've all done that with the gifts of God. We've all done that with the mercy of God. Gifts can be forgotten. Grace is a gift of God, and often it gets forgotten by us. That's the trouble with gifts. At first, it's filled with joy. Thank you. This means everything to me. My life is going to change but then something gets lost along the way. And it's the same with the gift of grace that leads to service. Every once in a while, we get to experience this gift. We get to serve here at the church, whether it's at a small group or setup or teardown or a fellowship or one of our service projects out in the community or an outreach we get that taste once again of this gift from God. And we realize when we serve, when we give ourselves away, we're actually getting back even more than what we gave. God gifts us with service. It's the gift that keeps on giving. If we want to experience growth, we are called to experience service and other-centeredness. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says, it reminds us of this once again. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, so that no one can be conceited about it. For we are God's handiwork, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, God is calling us to this, to be other-centered in order to experience growth. Because God knows one of the main dangers in our culture, in our lives, is the danger of consumerism, which is an idol in our culture in consumerism, we get and we take everything that we want in order to discover that what we really need, we already had. The grace of God. The, the gifts of God. The call to be other-centered. That something is the gift of service. That's something that maybe we've been missing. As the church... We're God's family, and we're a unique people. We're a people set apart, holy. That's what holiness is, set apart for God's purposes. We think differently, and we act differently. 
As God's family, we participate in this abnormal pattern in the ways of the world. The ways of the world, the ways of the culture will always be take, take, take. God calls us to give, to receive, to rest. Give, receive, rest. That's God's pattern. God calls us to go this next level, this next stage to go beyond just hoarding what's mine and to try to control others around me. No, God calls us to, by faith, extend grace to others. God calls us into a new way, a new attitude, a new attitude where each one of us can say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to serve and I'm going to give. I'm not just going to think what's in it for me, but I'm doing it out of obedience because you say so, because you call me to, and that is enough. And again, we see the Lord grow, bless, develop us in that. God calls us into this new way to serve with a relentless grace and an unconditional love, just as God has been gracious and just as God has extended unconditional love to us. Again, these are more than just commands. They're also invitations. When we serve, we reflect the heart of God. We reflect the character of God. So they're invitations, but they are also warnings. Because if we do not serve, if we do not become other-centered, if we stop serving, we can lose a sense of gratitude, of gratitude for what's been given to us. Gratitude is actually what grounds us in reality. Whenever you need some kind of reality check in your life, or whenever you need to be humbled in your life, begin with gratitude. Ask yourself, what can I be grateful for today? I know things aren't perfect, but where can I say thank you, God, today? And right now with what's in front of me. The opposite is also, to, also true. Gratitude is what connects us to God and connects us to God's reality. But the opposite is also true. Ingratitude, non-gratitude, actually cuts us off from reality. And it makes our lives smaller and smaller. We can practice this gift, this lifestyle of gratitude. When we serve, we're constantly reminded of the gifts of God, of the blessings of God, of the grace of God for the sake of service. And this is another reason why we serve and why it leads us to spiritual maturity. Because serving and being other-centered is actually what helps us really um, understand this point. Serving and other-centeredness helps us understand the heart of God and the grace of God. But let's be clear about this. If our attitude is one where we refuse to serve, where we're just about me and mine, if we refuse to serve, then here's the truth. We don't understand grace. We don't understand the grace of God that has been given to us generously and freely and with mercy. Service is actually a response to the grace of God. We serve because He first served us. Ultimately, 
Serving is the gift that keeps on giving. It's a gift that points to the far greater truth that if we don't find a way to serve, to give ourselves away, to lay our lives down, then we will become miserable. In serving someone else, we may learn of the service that they are doing us, of saving us from pride, from indifference, from passivity, and most importantly, from helping us to not take what we have for granted. Gratitude roots us in reality. Earlier this year, I got to visit my 93-year-old grandmother, my abuelita, Flora. I've been able to share a little with some of you uh, about her a bit. She was one of the first caretakers I ever had in my life. And so I made it a commitment in my life after she turned 80 or so to visit her as much as I possibly can every year or every two years. And now I take my sons and the whole family to be able to go visit when we're all able to. And we spent the day together and we uh, prayed together. And there's really um, something that I, I'm able to remember very fondly about um, my grandmother. And in her gentle and simple way, my 92-year-old grandmother would remind me that gratitude is what grounds us in reality. She would always say, be grateful. Remember, it could be worse. Whatever you're going through, be grateful. It could be worse. Gratitude is remembering the grace of God. Jesus invites us to go into this next level to be other-centered, to grow in Christ by being other-centered. That's why in the New Testament alone, there are over 91 another uh, uh, calls, love one another, serve one another, carry each other's burdens. The gift of grace is the gift of being able to grow closer to the heart of God. This is not just Jesus demanding in order or complaining at us. But when we serve, this is about keeping our story as a part of God's family alive. It's about moving forward with purpose and with call. Serving is about growing up in Christ. That's God's invitation today. And together... May we come to serve with joy, with a renewed joy. Remember, that will always be a tactic of the enemy to try to steal your joy today. May we come to serve with a renewed joy, with a restored joy. May we let go with our obsession of control. We can't control outcomes. May we come to trust God, to rest in the grace of God. You know, I've been able to, to have a prayer practice and I want to share it with some of you as well. And maybe it can be helpful for you in this season. Sometimes when I just need to be rooted and grounded in grace, in God's reality, I've learned a breathing prayer. And it's simply this, I can breathe in and when I breathe in, I receive grace. And when I breathe out, I release control. Receive grace release control. Learning to live and love without restraint, without condition, just as God has loved us without restraint, without condition. 
My prayer is that we would receive the gift of other-centeredness, the gift of service, so that we would joyfully partner with God in accomplishing this God-sized dream of seeing all things restored back to Christ. May we remember the words of Ephesians 2.4, of our identity, of our purpose, and of our new reality. And we'll end with this, as Ephesians 2.4 says. Do we have it? And we'll have it up there right on the screen. Ephesians 2, verse 4. And if you're able to, we can just read this together, beginning at verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we've heard your precious word this morning. That we are not saved by works, Lord, but we are saved for good works, Lord, to be able to do the work that you've called us to, Lord, to live into this new reality, this new call, this new humanity, Lord. On our own, we can't do it, Lord God, but we need your spirit to work in and through us. And Lord God, I just want to pray that we would enter into this rhythm that you call us to, Lord, of receiving grace, of releasing control, Lord God, of entering into your rest and into joyfully serving God. I pray, God, for those of us who need to take a moment to rest, may we rest in you, Lord. For those that need to step in and step up, Lord, may we do that faithfully and courageously. And may we carry one another, Lord in this season and in this journey. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us right where we're at, but you love us too much to just leave us there. You invite us to the next level, to the next level of grace, the next level of maturity, the next level of faith, the next level of service, God. Teach us, God. On our own, we cannot, so you must do it in and through us, Jesus. Help us to embrace this new reality, this new beginning. You are alive and you've invited us to belong. Lord, build us up to who you would have us be. We are your church, we are your family, and this family belongs fully to you. We surrender, Lord God. Take us to that higher place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.